everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the faith to go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for faith to go And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And here we are back again. Welcome, everybody, for this uh, faith to go podcast discussion about the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, June 26th. Uh, well, we'll be talking about this gospel for uh, proper eight, um, and we're still in Luke. Thankfully, we're just walking along with Jesus in the gospel of Luke. Um, very interesting gospel for today. Um, but before we get to that, we always love to check in with one another about where we saw God this past week, and we also have a listener uh, communication to share with you Also, First, I want to ask Charlotte, Charlotte, where did you see God this past week? So... In the context of the school where I serve, oftentimes in school in the spring season, people get a little big for themselves. Mm. So it's almost as though the desks are too close together and they're bumping their elbows against each other and recess is perhaps a little more dramatic than it is fun. Um, And that is just a measured part of the season. Um, Kids, they're growing and changing and all of those things. So this last week, one of our young friends in second grade was having really big feelings at the end of recess. Lots of tears, the kind of breathing where the words can't come out all of the way. And so I went over to talk to her and I asked what was going on. And the, the it broke my heart because even though I knew, knew innately that it wasn't true, her the way she had processed everything that was going on in that moment was that nobody liked her hmm. and everybody was being mean and she had no friends and, you know, she didn't want to go and make pizza with her class after recess. Like she, I mean, it was all the things yeah. and it just flooded out. Mm-hmm. And so we walked across the street from the playground uh, out into the courtyard at the church, which is where they usually have lunch. And I started to walk with her over towards three of her classmates who I know to be very kind and compassionate young people. And she was like, no, 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 I don't want to go. I don't want to go over and talk to them. Don't, don't make me. And I was like, I'm not going to send you by yourself. I said, I'm going to go with you and we're going to work together to see if we can figure out, you know, a better way forward. And so I got over there and I explained to the girls that were sitting there that our friend was feeling hurt and left out. And like they didn't belong. And I asked, I said, what could we do to help her feel differently? And one of the little girls um, mentioned that, you know, that she could sit there with them, maybe a little less than enthusiastically. (laughs) And this is second grade. Yeah. But sitting just maybe six feet away is third grade. Mm. And one of the third grade students pipes up. I didn't even know they were listening, right? Because I wasn't talking to them. One of the third grade students goes, you can sit over here with us. Come on. I'm so sorry you're feeling that way. Come be with third grade. (laughs) And the circle opens up Mm. and makes a spot for her to sit. Mm -hmm. And that same girl reaches over and like pats her on the back and says, don't worry about it. You've got us now. You are not alone. That moment of feeling lost and left out and like you don't belong and then having someone remind you that you are not alone Mm -hmm. and make space for you with your big feelings Mm -hmm. um for me that was like truly a sighting of god what a story that's amazing so cool 
So thank you, Charlie, for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And as always, uh, we try to share a listener email or voicemail or uh, today it's a text message direct to me. I know. From our friend Alec. Uh, but we always love to hear from you all. And today we've got a text message from Alec. Alec uh, is a faithful listener to the podcast. Always very supportive. Giving us great positive feedback. And also this week he had uh, some commentary on one of our recent episodes. So it was the two weeks ago uh, we were talking about the Holy Spirit Trinity Sunday. And I was sharing about like the gender pronouns of the Holy Spirit. And then so Alec talks about that and then some other uh, uh, thoughts about how the spirit moves and how Alec thinks about the spirit. So this is from Alec. Lovely podcast this week. I'm glad you brought up the pronoun situation, exclamation point, Mm. because it jumped out at me too. I think of the Holy Spirit as genderless, but also revealing itself in different forms, people, places, situations, etc., depending on the wisdom being passed on. For me, it's like the Spirit knows your specific vocabulary or cultural context and has no problem sending you that email or hitting you over the head with it, or like this week's lesson, It had to wait until you've spent enough time in the desert to even be able to listen. The difference between the, this objective idea, hear what the spirit is saying versus the reality. Nope. Dude's obviously not ready. (laughs) (laughs) So annoying. He said, (laughs) I try, I try to pray for the tools to discern versus quote, show me the signs or quote, give me the money. I like that phrase. Sometimes that works. Honestly, like one out of a thousand times it does happen, but Help me find the tools to understand or the method to help or the will to heal. And the spirit always seems to come through, especially when you're willing to make that U-turn. The spirit really knows when you are listening. Keep it up. You and Charlotte are rock stars. Thanks, Alec. Rock stars is a great designation. Uh Uh-huh. I would love to be. I don't know if I'd love to be a rock star. Would you like to be a rock star? Rock star for Jesus. (laughs) No. (laughs) You're so welcome. Oh. <laughs> I do not want to be a rock star. I want to live my quiet life with my family and my dogs, and that is about my speed. Okay, perfect. I sound sounds good. Uh-huh. Um, thank you, Alec. Uh podcast rock stars we are, kind of, in our own little world. And uh, we're so thankful for your commentary, for your thoughts on the spirit. Well, so good. And the different ways people think about the spirit. So good to hear about it, because it's such a like Alex said, seems to be changing and morphing and being whatever is needed in the moment. That incredible attunement of spirit, which is uh, an amazing gift from God. So thank you, Alec. And like Alec did this week, we would always love to hear from you. You can always uh, email us. You can send us a text or a voicemail with our Google Voice number. You can also uh tag us or direct message us on Instagram or you can contact us through our website uh, where you can also find all those faith to go resources every week for personal reflection, family discussion or small group conversation. And we'd love to hear any of your thoughts, comments, stories, uh, questions from your week of faith discussion or reflection or where you saw God this past week. We'd love to hear that too. Also, if you were going to be a rock star, what would be your instrument slash role in the band? What would be your band name? What would name? be your band name That's and the your stage name oh. and or your stage name. Okay. Uh, so now we're going to get into the gospel for this week. After that exciting opening. 
Uh, again, this week we'll be talking about the lectionary, the gospel reading for uh, Proper 8 and this upcoming Sunday, June 26, Proper 8 in year C. The gospel is Luke nine fifty one to 62. Charlotte's going to read it to you all. And then I'll have some context and we'll each share a point that we that jumped out to us uh, from the story. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When the when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. All right. Strong words from Jesus today. Mm -hmm. uh, just a little bit of context here. Um, we're still obviously in Luke's gospel, but we are in the next chapter over from where we were last week talking about Jesus healing the Gerasene demoniac, which is the very last story in chapter eight. This is the very last story in chapter nine. So we're pretty much a full chapter ahead. And between the Gerasene demoniac and this story, the disciples have been sent out, which we mentioned last week, just sent out with the power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. So like a healing mission and proclaiming the kingdom of God. Um, we have the feeding of the 5,000 in Luke and then the transfiguration and some other healing stories. And then this, um, this moment when Jesus quote unquote sets his face to go to Jerusalem and encounters this Samaritan village. So, and then right after this, in the very beginning of uh, chapter 10, Jesus sends the disciples out again, two by two. Actually, it says that he sends out 72 disciples mm -hmm. in this one. So more than just the 12. Um, but Jesus sends out 72 to go ahead uh, to every town and place where he himself intended to go. For the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That's the very beginning of chapter 10. So that happens right after this story. Uh, which I think is significant, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in our points. Um, but, you know, the one thing to keep in mind is that just kind of in the larger scheme of Luke's, of the gospel of Luke, like it says Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem, which because it, the time had come for him to be taken up, I think that's how it started. Uh, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Here's the thing. It's not until 10 verses, 10 chapters later right. that he enters Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So it's like a third of the gospel of Luke that is still going to happen before he even gets to Jerusalem. And then the whole Jerusalem time and passion narrative and resurrection appearances and road to Emmaus, like all these uh, things. So it's like, it seems kind of like, the, sh the shift isn't a shift to end his kind of ministry of healing and stuff and go into Jerusalem. It really is like 
it, there's something shifting here for Luke. Um, and it is this intentionality and the kind of direction of, of Jesus's mission, but he's also kind of doing this kind of ping ponging around the same region, kind of on a general direction down towards Jerusalem, you know? So it almost, it made me think this morning of like how the, the Israelites, when they left the Hebrews, when they like escaped Egypt, instead of making like a direct line to the promised land or just like wandering Wandering. around, Mm -hmm. you know, like Jesus kind of making this very circuitous route. Meandering. Yeah. Meandering Mm -hmm. around the region. So, um, so like even this is not going to be the last time he like encounters a Samaritan, you know, like he's just wandering. Um, but it is this shift in his intention and he's talking a whole lot about his death and resurrection. Now he'll talk about it at least three different times. But he's doing a lot of the same things he was doing before this. It's just that now, like, he has this kind of, there's something about the shift in his attention that is towards Jerusalem. And it brings up a lot of these kind of mission-oriented following conversations, which we'll talk about now. So Mm -hmm. that's where we are. And Charlotte has the first point. Which is mission-oriented about following. Boom. Right? Second. No. So what I want to talk about actually is the second half of this reading. Because when I read this the other day in preparation for this, I was like, oh, harsh Jesus. Um, because the language in this is rough. Um, it's direct might be the kind way to put it. <laughs> um, but for sure, there are definitely some descriptions in here that are hard to reconcile with um, as far as what it means to follow Jesus. And yet I think that that's the intent. I don't think that the intent is harshness, but urgency mm-hmm. and clarity. Mm-hmm. I think it's those two things put together. That's really kind of the point of this, um, the point within my point. Mm. Right. Yes. Um, but so we have people coming up to Jesus, Jesus, whose face is set towards Jerusalem And they are coming up to Jesus and they were like, I want to follow you. I'll follow you wherever you go. And so the first instruction that Jesus gives back is that foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And I don't think that's an, oh, poor me (laughs) statement, (laughs) right? Like that the foxes and the birds have these things, but I don't. I think it's more the reality of what it means to follow that you're going to be wandering and meandering and serving people. And there are going to be many nights where you will not have a bed in which to lay your body or a pillow for your head. Um, There may be times when you are feeling hungry. Um, It's clarity of the expectation of what it means to follow Mm -hmm. in that way. And so that's part one. Mm -hmm. And then We have part two, which is again, immediately he looks at someone and he says, follow me. And the person's (laughs) willing-ish, but gives the very valid excuse of, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And instinctually, when you read that, or at least when I read that, I think, okay, that that sounds okay to me. Uh, Your father died. Go and bury your father. Mm -hmm. Um, But Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. Mm Mm-hmm. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And then we have that again, um, immediately following it, which which is someone who says, let me go say farewell to those at my home, thus probably meaning family. 
And Jesus says, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is for the king is fit for the kingdom of heaven. And so the urgency that I hear in that doesn't really have anything to do with not caring about the fact that someone's father has died or that there are families that are left behind, but that Jesus's face is set towards Jerusalem and the yeah. urgency of the work is ahead. Yeah. And the expectation of that, that he is saying to those people is that you are going to have to stop making excuses, even if they're really valid ones. Um, if you are going to come and follow me, you have to be committed mm -hmm. um, that you cannot put it off and that, and, and we kind of talked about this a little bit right before this all started, is that when we're looking back, well, then you're not looking where you're going. Yeah. And so taking the analogy that's put right here of the hand put to the plow and looks back, well, you know, you want your crops planted in rows so that you can maximize crop yield. <laughs> and so if you're looking backwards when you're doing it, then your plow is going to meander and you're not going to maximize what is happening in your field space. Mm -hmm. I mean, and again, I don't have a degree in farm agriculture, but I'm pretty sure that that's correct. <laughs> and I think that it's really important for us to consider what that means for each of us because oftentimes we get distracted with shiny objects or with the realities of what's happening in our own life certainly especially in seasons when i'm feeling overwhelmed i can get distracted with my own stuff um, and not be paying attention to kingdom stuff and i think that in this jesus is clearly naming especially knowing that we have 10 chapters still ahead of us and there's going to be a lot of work that's going to happen in these 10 chapters of exactly what that word lo work looks like um, that work looks like not always being comfortable in fact getting comfortable with being uncomfortable that work looks like setting aside all of our own needs and expectations to focus on the kingdom ahead of us and remaining committed to doing that work with Jesus, even in all of the hard places. I think that this section that we're getting from Jesus here is really to make sure that the people who are saying that they want to follow understand what that means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I like the idea that Jesus isn't trying to like Jesus in communicating in this way, isn't trying to shame anybody for their needs or desires, but is also but is instead trying to communicate the urgency of what it means to, to, you know, live into the kingdom of God that is near, you know, it's like there is something I think just, this is how I think about the whole thing is just like, there is when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, it's like, there is a different way of being in community with one another available to you. It is here. Now you can live into it now. And we make decisions all the time to not live into that thing, you know, and communally and culturally we, have structures that make it so it's hard to live into that way of being and Jesus knew that and I think also Jesus knew that like we we put that we put living off li we put off living into that kingdom communally to the detriment of our communal wellness like mm -hmm. the longer we put it off the more we're going to suffer the more communally we're going to suffer globally just as a human race we're going to suffer so like I and I, that kind of goes to my point, I guess, because I'm thinking about this very the beginning part um, and and this interaction with um, 
this Samaritan village that Jesus has. And I think what's important about the fact that this is the last thing that happens before Jesus sends out the 72 to go into different villages on the way to Jerusalem and gives them instructions on what to do when they're accepted by those places and when they're rejected by those places. And what he does here is embody what that looks like to be rejected by a place Mm -hmm. and what to do and also how to encounter people that do want to follow and you know what how to how to talk with them and how to communicate the urgency of this Mm -hmm. whole thing you know so really what i see here is like a a teaching moment from jesus embodying what it's going to look like for these disciples to then go out and do this thing that themselves because there are going to be two parts that it's going to be when you're rejected and when you're accepted Mm -hmm. you know and this is what happens. There's going to be people that reject you, like this Samaritan village. And there's going to be people that accept you and say, I do want to follow. I do want to do this. And like, you know, how are you going to communicate the urgency of the kingdom of God in those moments? And so the thing is that, like, clearly, Jesus is not looking to destroy and condemn people that reject him. Right. Or whole villages and towns and communities that reject him. Right? Like, if... He's 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 rebuking them with the idea that all these places that reject him are like Sodom and Gomorrah that they're and to me like like Sodom and Gomorrah are these kind of it's like a it's like an archetype of a place of a community that is that is so that has so much suffering in it, you know, that like and is unwilling and unrepentant and unwilling to change, you know, unwilling to see the suffering that is that is happening within its in the boundaries of its community and unwilling to do anything about it. Even when, you know, like some, someone prophetic comes and tells them that there's suffering there. They're like, no, we're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of, you know, replaying that story, Jesus is saying, no, that's not what we're doing. We're not here to destroy places. There is no place that's like beyond the kingdom of God, you know, and there's no person or people that is beyond out beyond relationship with us, you know, so we like keep trying. And so what does he say is like he, when he does send them out, um, he tells them that if they are rejected, you say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you yet. Know this, the kingdom of God has come near, you know, so you still, you still end with the kingdom of God has come near mm-hmm. still kind of an invitation, even though you're kicking the dust off your feet. But then he goes on and say, I tell you on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town, which sounds pretty bad. Yes. And remembering though, what he's just said to them, he's like, we don't rain down fire. Correct. Okay. <laughs> which is what happened to Sodom. So, and the other thing to keep in mind, just in the grand scheme of Luke's gospel and acts, is how many times people are going to go back to Samaria, you know? So like Jesus is in the Samaritan village, but just the very next chapter, Jesus tells the parable of the good Samaritan. Mm -hmm. And then a few chapters later, he heals 10 lepers. And the only one that comes back to like give thanks to God is a Samaritan. And then in Acts, it says to go to all the you know, nations of the world to Samaria and Judea and all the nations of the world. And then Philip is in Samaria, you know, doing, preaching the gospel. It's like, there's nothing about these words 
that then indicate that there's a cutoff from these places that they are beyond the kingdom of heaven. And so I think what Jesus is saying here is like for it to be more tolerable for Sodom is to be like these places, the, the places that we're going there's, it's about the urgency. It's like, what's important, why I'm saying this to these places, why we're communicating in this way is to communicate about the urgency of this moment, about like the longer we defer the realities of the kingdom of heaven in our communities, the longer there will be suffering in those communities. Mm -hmm. It's about like, how much longer are you going to put off the kind of realities of the kingdom, which are about communal support, about interdependence, about having everyone having what they need and sharing and and supporting one another and ending those kind of un, those, those systems of unnecessary suffering. And and that, you know, just because you reject one of these 72 disciples or reject the kingdom of God doesn't mean that they won't be back, you know, mm -hmm. to keep inviting the world into this kingdom mm -hmm. and so it's not about there's so much here that sounds like condemnation that i don't think is condemnation you know there's what it is is like a communication of the urgency of what needs to happen and i love that jesus is kind of is embodying that urgency and i feel like it's a it's a is a teaching to the disciples but also to us to like when we when it when something clicks in our vocation we feel that sense of urgency and we feel the frustration trying to communicate that clarity to people that aren't listening or don't want to understand or don't listen to us. You know, mm -hmm. when we like see something in the world that we know needs to change, we feel like it's our vocation to, to do that thing in the world. And everyone's like, I don't think that's very important right now. Right. Like that is what Jesus is talking about. Because the kingdom of heaven is the thing that's most important to Jesus in this moment right now for everyone to get in on. And his frustration is with the idea that we can just keep pushing that back and deferring it to a later time and that there won't be any consequences for that. But the consequences are happening now. There is suffering now. And like the longer we push off, um, the longer we, we put off this kind of good news of, of the way that we can all be together in community and support one another, you know, the 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 more the longer the suffering continues so all right well those are our two points for this week uh first point was a charlotte's and it was about you know being aware and and honest with ourselves about all the things that uh keep us from doing what we know we are most called to do you know and doing the work that we feel called to do in the world uh and feeling that sense of urgency you know and not and and being honest when we have needs and desires and and sometimes we need rest. Jesus is going to keep resting even after this moment, mm -hmm. you know, like there's going to be a whole, I, there's, <laughs> there's going to be a whole, like there's going to be a whole story about Mary and Martha where Jesus is like, look, see Martha, you're working, 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 working over there. Mary, good job sitting at my feet and listening, <laughs> you know? So it's not about just like this constant burnout, but there is something about urgency, you know, and a balance of how to be active and how to, you know, make it sustainable. And then uh, mine was the second point uh, followed from that. And it was about Jesus' call to these communities and villages to take part in the kingdom, to take part in that communal wellness of the kingdom of heaven. And his, instead of thinking about it as condemnation, his like frustration 
and trying to communicate the urgency of that change and shift that needs to take place in all of these places and how he will not, the disciples will never give up on any of the places. They're always going back to every single one of the places that Jesus says woe to at some point in Mm -hmm. Luke's gospel, you know. They're always going back. Um, And we always uh, go back. We always go back. We keep keep pushing and, uh, and striving for what we believe in. So having heard those points, we would love to hear what your third point would have been for this week. Uh, You can also share with us any questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or reflection. You can email us. You can uh, direct message us or uh, tag us in an Instagram post on Instagram. You can also contact us through our website, myfaith2go.org, where you can also find all those faith to go resources for personal reflection, family sharing, or small group discussion. Or you can call us or leave us, uh, you can call us and leave us a voicemail, or you can send us a text message. All of those ways of getting in contact with us are listed in the description for this episode of the podcast. We'll be back next week with uh, our friend Deanne Rios, our special guest. Next week, you'll learn more about Deanne. Then we'll be talking about the gospel for proper nine leading up to the first Sunday in July. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Bye, everybody. everybody.